Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Game Set and Catch podcast, where I'm joined by Matt Roberts. Star of. <laughs> Internet sensation. Mm. Good of you to join us, Matt. You're welcome. I've just uh, left some of my fans. <laughs> he's not even joking, no, David. he's not even joking. Mm. This is the Tennis Podcast <laughs> with guest star Matt Roberts. Uh, David, we've created a monster. I know, yes. Um, he's all they want to see, and <laughs> they want to see him up in lights on the big screen and social media. And... He's just revealed that he was going for another game set and catch win. Mm. after Carlos Alcaraz's match just now. Lit up, mm. I suddenly got really excited. <laughs> oh, what if I could make it two from two? <laughs> 70,000 views and counting that video has got. Uh, you find us on site at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. We're at a little picnic table. We're quite near the big screen. We've got some fairy lights overhead. We're in a sort of canopy... Canop- no... We're in a canopy. I've got that one wrong in the Not past before. Can- <laughs> I feel better we're, now. We're under a canopy of trees that I'm unable to identify, and it's all very lovely. Yeah, it is. Mm. I, and, and we're joined by celebrity Matt Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> nice of you to grace us with your presence. <laughs> um, I mean, this, this lawn that we're sitting on right now with the picnic tables on, this has been rammed for much of the tournament, hasn't it? It's not really been possible to get this picnic table because they've had so many people through the gates and today was the the case again it was an absolutely packed house inside that arena and uh, one heck of an atmosphere I think on stadium one in terms of crowd bums on seats inside the stadium today was the busiest day it's certainly been busier far far busier last weekend out and about around the grounds but a lot of those people would have been stadium one ticket holders that you know wanted to get a, a flavor of what was going on elsewhere and weren't necessarily in their seats all day on Stadium 1 today felt like all eyes were trained on on the centre court and of course there was a, a final to kick the day off Barbora Krejcikova and Katerina Siniakova winning the women's doubles title I covered that so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on but really the story of the day is the men's final that's been set up tomorrow the mouth-watering prospect of Daniel Medvedev the immovable object taking on Carlos Alcaraz, the unstoppable force. Medvedev having yeah. beaten Tiafo and Alcaraz having beaten Sinner, both straight sets matches, which I think is the surprise of the day. Yeah, ne- and neither one of them really felt like a straight sets match. Uh, we are left with the final that at the very outset of the tournament I hoped we would see because Medvedev has been the form player. I think that's 19 match wins in a row now. Alcaraz is Mr. X Factor and electricity and we're finally going to get to see them face each other which which is a just a tantalising prospect for tomorrow. Um, but in terms of the matches that we saw today they didn't really go as I would have expected. I mean, I, I keep waiting for Medvedev to come unstuck because of his bad attitude all week. But he suddenly seems to have banished that bad attitude because even when things were going badly today, he didn't lose his rag. He kept it together. I think he has been teasing and trolling all week long. I mean, I think he has been getting really angry, but 
I think he's suddenly in that sweet spot now of he's got that out of his system, he's made a big fuss about it all, and now he feels really good. Yeah, I've definitely been sucked in by his antics and have been expecting him to unravel at at any given moment, given just the state of him, uh, the fact that he doesn't like the court. And also I maybe expected some fatigue to start kicking in. You know, this is... This is a lot of tennis that Daniil Medvedev's played in a very short space of time. And yet, you know, I think there was maybe some early signs in this tournament of, you know, maybe some of his antics were a bit mental fatigue. But actually, as you said, he seems to have come through that. He gave a funny line saying ever since he rolled his ankle, he started playing much better on the court. And, I mean, he's not wrong. It has There has been a correlation there in terms of the way he's improved throughout this tournament. And... I felt like today was probably his, his best match so far. Um, great players have an ability to play the match they want. And I think we saw that for certainly a set and a half today against Tiafo. It, it was lots of long, extended backhand to backhand exchanges. And that was absolutely what Medvedev wanted against Tiafo, who has so much firepower and flair and... We only really saw that in the in the latter stages, and Medvedev just about managed to fend that off. It was a it was a struggle. It took him eight match points to get over the line, and Jaffa was bringing it, and the crowd was up, and it was thrilling. But for a lot of that match, Medvedev was in control, and I felt like Tiafo had these moments where he just sort of looked stunned at some of the tennis that Medvedev was playing there was one moment where Tiafo playfully just hit the ball at Medvedev as they passed at the net as, as if to say oh go away go away you're that good are you and sometimes Tiafo was was coming in and Medvedev was passing him in just the the tiniest space available it was it was a great performance for Medvedev I think yeah as I said I think his his best of the tournament he, he told us on Prime Video, I did not want to play a third set. That was the first <laughs> thing out of his mouth when he was asked about the match. He said, thank goodness I won in that tie break because he was really on the ropes there, wasn't he, against an enlivened Francis Tiafo. looked like someone had run a jolt of electricity through him because suddenly he'd found a way to make his bring his charisma to bear and, and make the crowd become a factor and you know seven match points squandered for, for Daniel Medvedev that must have been in his head and had that gone into a decider Tiafo would have been the favourite I think and by the sounds of that answer that, that Medvedev gave us I think he was probably feeling that way as well I, I need to be winning this here yeah and I think because he got so close and played so well mentally he he maybe he might have struggled with with that scenario of being at one set all i i still think he would have ended up winning having watched the match on overall but it but it was interesting watching it with you catherine for the first set and a half that that you just kept saying tiafa's playing rallies he shouldn't be trying to play here he's he's getting into medvedev's kind of world here and it was it was a case of him resting that initiative and and saying this is my match now we're going to play on my terms and and that's what he started to do towards the end of the second set he just started to rip the ball he started to play off pace balls that that could maybe just get Medvedev off balance a little bit but he took chances and and you mentioned that he brought the crowd into play he's one of the few players around that is actually a different player when the crowd is up it's it's like he finds another gear altogether that that is that is crowd gear and he pushes a button and, and off it goes and it's it's just so intoxicating to be in the stadium when that's going on i think that that's maybe the second time i've been at a tiafo match when i've heard that sort of noise the other one was the us open match against alcaraz but at the end of that um, when he broke back, he was when I mean, he was a set six five forty love down. It had already been three match points. Here are another three match points, and he and he broke. I mean that's just astonishing, really. And um, and Tiafo, the fact that he he won that that game and got it into the tiebreak. The noise was was one of the loudest crowds I've heard all year. I'm not sure I heard anything louder than that in Australia. And and 
Then Tiafa's face lights up and he starts nodding his head towards people, just very slowly. Yeah, this is my time now. He starts pointing his finger at the court. This is my time to take over. And fair play to Medvedev for rebooting. And, and, he, and in his press conference, he, he's so open about this, about the, the mental processes. He lets you in. And he said, I just couldn't afford to, to think about what had just happened because... I don't think he's used to squandering match points, Catherine. You know, he's somebody who usually puts his head down, bang, match points won or break points saved. You know, this was an unusual sight for me. Yeah, it's a funny one that the relationship between Tiafo and the crowd because he needs them to give him something in order to get himself going, but he needs to give them something to, to feast on to get themselves going. It's like, who's... Who's going to make the introductions here? <laughs> who's going to who's going to break the ice? Mm. Um, and of course, in reality, it's you know generally he'll just pull something off, and then you know there's a recognition, an unspoken recognition from both that like okay, this is the moment, please mm. let's both let's all be on the same page here. That's why I think Tiafo at the U.S. Open really makes a lot of sense because yes, they need him to pull something off, play that daring tennis that he does. But I think the crowd generally at the US Open is a bit more hyped up from the start. And they just always, well, last year anyway, they just seem to be in electricity right from the start of his matches, which maybe there there hasn't been quite so much here until he's brought it. And uh, I noticed Bianca Andrescu on Instagram wrote OMG at the sight of Tiafo's uh, comeback in that in that second set or not quite come all the way back and I felt like you know there's a player that recognises great drama and you know energy when she sees it and uh, if she's appreciating it then it must be pretty special I've realised today how much this run this streak from Medvedev is reminding me of summer 2019 now part of that is very personal that I was in Montreal 2019 with many of the same crew members that I'm working with here for for Prime. Um, so you've got that sort of memory jogger, that sort of trigger, if you like. And obviously I was at the US Open with, with Prime as well, covering that run. But the way it just built momentum and the way that Medvedev got more and more ragged as every week went on and him doing anything athletic started to look more and more improbable (laughs) Um, you know there he is on on court in the Cincinnati final against Novak Djokovic being being treated for acute lack of bicep (laughs) (laughs) in the words of Hannah Wilkes Um, but he beats Novak Djokovic doesn't he in that in that Cincinnati final so you know victory over Djokovic he's got that in common with with this streak you know it's not I don't want to stretch the comparisons too far but obviously his nemesis during that run was the crowds in in America but on this run it's the courts in America it's like I found a thing and I'm going to riff on that thing and you're all going to bloody love it and it's going (laughs) to give me this platform to really show you who I am and and what I can do with my tennis and he's a better tennis player now than he was in uh, in 2019 so he may, this one may very well culminate in yet another title. There was only actually one title, wasn't there, on that, that run in summer 2019, that one in Cincinnati. There were three other finals. There was Washington, wasn't there, Montreal, um, and of course the US Open. But, but he's but hanging it's just, on a bit. It's just giving like, me that yeah. feel. He was having to hang on there mm. to see, could he actually pull this off because he's got so little left? And here he is trying to win a fourth tournament in a row. It's a lot. It's a lot to mm. ask of himself. And I think that that does come into play fourth, with, his, with his sort of antsiness early on in this week. Fourth tournament, fourth, four different continents, 12 different time three zones. Different continents. Three different continents. Okay. I thought it was four. Three. Three's enough. Three's enough for that to be a good stat. <laughs> Today was his 19th win in 30 days. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty crazy and as I said doesn't seem to be tiring mm. in fact he looked fresher today I, th- I think I think the early stages of Indian Wells were his tiredness period it's like a long five setter he sort of yeah. he sort of had his energy drop in the fourth and he's got a second wind again and, and he admitted he had jet lag at the start he did you know, yeah. that, that 
all of these things, I'm sure, come into play as to why he was so ratty early on. Mm. I mean, he still looks ratty. <laughs> but, you know... That, he, he, that beard's not getting any less ratty. If anything ratty. was going to send him over the edge, it's losing six match points against Francis Tiafoe yeah. and the crowd going wild. But, he, he, but he he especially you'd expect him sort of not necessarily to have the mental reserves to cope with that, yeah. but, he, but he did. I'd have lost it. <laughs> um, so, all that means that it will be Medvedev against Alcaraz in tomorrow's men's final. We'll talk about that matchup in a minute because I'm particularly excited for it because it, I feel like it's just not a matchup I know at all. I know they've played once. That was at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. It feels irrelevant yeah, to that's, me. Yeah, that's to me the exciting thing about tomorrow's finals in that they're exciting for different reasons. We know what Sabalenka Rabakina looks like and after the Australian Open final I just want more of it because it was you know, one of the great Grand Slam finals I don't know what Alcaraz Medvedev really looks like and I want to see it mm. and we're going to get to so that's, that's really exciting What about what we saw from Alcaraz today against Yannick Sinner not the match that I think anybody here was expecting really No, there were, there were little flashes of the highlight real stuff that we know they're both capable of there was one extraordinary point which both players sort of turned around in their favour and it ended up with a lob from, from first of all, Sinner that had Alcraz scuttling back, hitting a high backhand volley. Then he had to go back on to, to, to the baseline and Sinner attacked and somehow Alcraz arced a forehand lob over his head and onto the baseline. And then he did his signature index finger into the air, fully extended and then the kind of, come on, sort of beckoning to the crowd as to come on let me hear you and and it was so perfect but really that was fairly isolated in the match I think I think we expected more of that I think we expected more winners generally it was error strewn and particularly from Alcraz's side of the court I thought Sinner should have won that first set even though he was a breakdown early on and the big factor that I will take away from this match above all other from Alcraz that I've just never really thought of him as is that was a serve dominated win for him he, he won that match by fighting off issues and coming through service games by hitting big serves that was something I said to you wasn't it the, towards the end of the first set his, his serves keeping him in this mm. which and is not an Alcarazzi thing to say mm. and I wonder uh, sort of what Juan Carlos Ferrero would put his serving improvement down as a percentage of that sort of <laughs> 40% that's left because his serve was actually something we talked about last year as an area that he could still improve he may be it's a big serve you know he was frequently hitting it above 130 miles per hour last year but I didn't feel like he was necessarily getting all that much out of it considering it was so big and completely agree with you today it was you know it was the foundation for him and it won him so many important points uh I thought Alcaraz played really well in the second set I thought he completely cleaned up his game in that set the first set was from a break up really not great from him I thought it was quite quite lucky to win that set it was quite big why do I lose all the close matches Mm. energy from from Yannick Sinner you know he had his chances there there was one moment in the tie break where yes Alcaraz hit an, uh, an incredible defensive scramble on the backhand but Sinner just felt like he didn't quite have that killer instinct to take the ball out of the air and he tracked back and got his footing wrong and missed a forehand and just in those big moments Alcaraz stepped up and Sinner couldn't quite match him but yeah I think maybe that US Open match five hours 15 million uh, 15 minutes of just brilliance spoiled us a little bit and this one was nowhere near on that level but even so if that's if that's one of the worst matches that those two would play against each other there hmm. was still there's still plenty to enjoy and still pretty compelling end to that first set i i did enjoy it as a contest i have to say i think it was a huge missed opportunity for yannick sinner I, I, he absolutely should have been winning that first set agreed um Okay, Alcaraz is four two up, but then he—I mean—he pretty much disappeared from the match. He lost eleven points in a row. It was quite an alarming sort of desertion 
from Carlos Alcaraz, actually. Um, and had he ended up losing the match as a result of it, I think we'd be doing some real analysis of, wow, it's it's pretty drastic how much he can just go off the boil. Yeah, you know, it, sort it, of like it was like that, wasn't it? There were periods of last year where we were like, that doesn't look like Carlos yeah, Alcaraz. First two sets against Alexander Zverev at the yeah. French Open. Um, and I, I do think that is a conversation we will end up having. Mm. You know, because that that is a thing that can happen. Can't be perfect all the time. No, but it's 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 quite alarming. It he goes from a hundred to about thirty, you know, just like that, seemingly, and it's it it's it's alarming, as I've said several times. And the fact that Sinner wasn't able to make that count. um, Do you think he was too aggressive, Sinner? Because when I think of the match he won against him at Wimbledon. He plays within himself and redirects Alcaraz's power, and and there's a compactness to to his game, which means he doesn't make anywhere near as many unforced errors as Alcaraz, and he sort of draws them from his opponents. And I just wonder whether the the expansiveness of his game now, the the ambition that he has that Darren Cahill talked about to end points more quickly, and it's clear you can you can see him doing it, trying to do it. I just wonder whether maybe that. That might not be him. I he might need to revise that. I don't know. Yeah, he was certainly on to a good thing before, wasn't he? Against Alcaraz, it almost felt a little bit today like he was trying to out hit or outplay Alcaraz. Yeah. and I wouldn't advise that anyone tries that. I mean, the shot making of Alcaraz is, I think, the best in the world, and. Sinner did have ways to cope with it, and yeah, maybe maybe did slightly stray from that. I don't know. Conditions might might well be a factor. You know, grass uh, would certainly favour Sinner at, at this stage. I think the U.S. Open much quicker court than than here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this was definitely his his poorest performance against Alcaraz in in a little while. And if he's gone away from from what was working, then I'd be curious to know why. Yeah, I mean, I do. I would be surprised if Alcaraz had a going off the boil situation in the final tomorrow. What my instinct is, this was his subpar match out of the way. You know, the oh dear, someone's had an absolute shocker over there. What's that? That's falling (laughs) off that trolley. Oh dear. Split into many parts, strewn across the walkway, just in front of the big screen. So it's all illuminated. The whole disaster is. Sort of in technicolor. <laughs> they seem they seem quite amused by it, at mm. least. Okay. Well, uh, yes. I mean, the, the cliche is, um, you know, you always you have a bad match in in a, in every tournament. If you're going to win the tournament, it's extremely rare you'll do so without a bad match. So I suspect this was this was uh, Alcaraz's, and I certainly hope so because I want to see peak Medvedev and peak Alcaraz going toe to toe tomorrow yeah me too yes please um, Greg Rosetsky on our prime coverage today called Medvedev a veteran which I thought if he were listening he would find that a real blow I mean he's what 29 something no like that? 27 no. is he yeah yeah okay he just looks about 30 <laughs> or more um, but I mean He's been around for a while, but I mean, it, it doesn't seem like we've had the middle ground between next gen and veteran yet. Um, for, for Daniel Medvedev, I, Medvedev was OG next gen, wasn't he? He was. He was in the next gen. Just mm. he was the you know alongside Rublev, Fritz. He was a bit older than Fritz, but this this was the class of twenty eighteen. Next gen, I'm going to say. 17. 17 sounds 17, about right. yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Anyone want to make a prediction he for that tw- men's he final? He's 27, that's, that's annoying. <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I mean, I, you and I, Catherine, we picked Alcaraz to win the tournament. And right at the start of this event... Um, my that's put old game set and catch over here in right, his place right, yeah. hasn't it it's yeah. quietened down a bit hasn't it um, but I felt as though I think what I, what I said at the time was that Medvedev looks like he, he's impenetrable 
at the moment, the way he was playing his matches. It, it, everything's locked in. That was before all the shenanigans of the next few days, which really made me doubt that. I, I did not expect to see him in this final. But the, the answer to somebody who's impenetrable is Carlos Alcaraz because he has weaponry that can blow the doors off any defence. And so I, I just think I think we're going to get a fantastic match. I think we're going to see Medvedev really play well and defend and bring it and make life difficult for our crowds. And it's just whether we see today's our crowds, which I don't think will beat Medvedev, or whether we see the rest of the tournament's version. Well, the second set, you're right. There is a distinction between today's first and second set from, from our crowds. But look, I'm still going our crowds because I think he's... He's just somebody who rises to an occasion and I think he's just going to be all over it tomorrow. I'm, I'm fascinated in what Alcaraz does with the return position of Daniil Medvedev because it's a little bit like the the Igor Svantec second serve. You, you know where, it, where it's going, you know what's happening. It feels like it should be an attackable situation and yet somehow it's not. Daniil Medvedev mm. is able to stand basically sort of off court... <laughs> to receive serve, but, I mean, he You're steps in a steps in a bit for the second serve, but not how many, much. How many drop and shots does Alcaraz hit in tomorrow? Well, exactly, exactly, and, and he's able to defend that position so well. His movement is so incredible for his, a, a man of his frame. It's extraordinary how he's able to turn defence into attack from such a bizarre position on the court. But I. I do wonder whether Alcaraz will be able to exploit that in ways that others haven't. Well, well, one of the things Alcaraz can do, I think, is, and we've seen him use it a lot this tournament, is vary his position of where he's serving from, particularly on the ad side. He doesn't do it on the deuce side. On the ad side, he does it a lot, and he has that incredible kick serve that sends players yeah, off the court. And, OK, Medvedev will be, will be standing, sort of maybe waiting for that, Medvedev will be further off the court against Alcaraz than he is, for example, against Tiafo. And I think if Medvedev doesn't get that return deep, Alcaraz will just hit into the open court and come forward. And I think that I think we might see quite a lot of that. Uh, I'll, I'll go Alcaraz as well. Um, I must say, just like you know, you two were very won over by his pre-tournament press conference. I couldn't get the image. Of the last time we saw Alcaraz out of my head, you know, he was he was injured just a couple of weeks ago, and it's a pretty incredible recovery that he's that he's made here. And you know, going further out from that, he's now made what three straight finals on his comeback from injury. And it, he was actually asked about that in in his press conference a couple of nights ago after he'd made the semi-finals. Like, did you have these high expectations of yourself? coming back from an injury you know a pretty pretty long-term injury and he said well yeah because Rafa and Novak (laughs) used to do that all the time come back from a long injury and suddenly win a title or you know reach a final or be sort of back to their best and I just thought such a great sort of it's not even a humble brag is it it's just he just knows brag a that's sort of sweet. That's what champions like do. Brag. Yeah. He's like, the, like I'm Roger Federer class. used to. He do. would do that sort of thing. The sort yeah. of, oh, if you saw that written down, it would sound awful. But <laughs> you're you, so, so you, fine. It's yeah. quite interesting listening to our, uh, Medvedev talk about Alcaraz today in the mm. press conference, and he did. He, he was sort of a little bit cautious about elements of it, and he spoke with us the other day, didn't he, here on the the show and, and about how he he will think back to matches he's watched when the timing's right and I imagine now is that time hmm. but he was very clear that there are things that Alcraz can do that nobody else can do yeah. and, and he named some of the other players the other really talented players but he, he was pretty specific this guy has got something the others just don't have and uh, uh, and and like and he, he actually he, he, he mentioned specifically the, the forehand which is hit so hard, but also with topspin. It's not like just that forehand slap that Kyrgios sometimes hits 
when he's just trying to shock somebody, and that one goes through the air at similar velocity. This is a rally ball, sudden explosion from the Alcaraz forehand that has control on it as well. There's nothing like that else in the sport. I can't wait. I love. I, I love the. I know this is sort of reaching for poetry, but the sort of poetic symmetry of our first first real day here on site media day of you know we recounted that encounter between Medvedev and Alcaraz in the press conference room didn't we Mm. that Alcaraz had been in first Medvedev followed him in but Alcaraz was still doing his signing signing posters in the corner and there was a there was a funny little interaction between them wasn't there and now it feels like oh that was a just a little prelude a little sort of Shakespearean (laughs) foreshadowing um, nice hmm. right well that sounded fantastically overblown um, <laughs> I, I liked it <laughs> me too when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What's going to happen in the women's final? I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Any well, advances on what we said it's then? It's just as mouth-watering as the men's final. It, it's it's just so tantalising to think of what they were like against one another in Australia and to think we've got that again. Now, there's no guarantee that it will be like that. We, we got slightly let down today based on the incredible levels of the US Open match between Sinner and Alcaraz. I... I think the two players, though, are going to bring it again. I think it's going to be really good, really high quality. I think, I think, I think Sabalenka will win again. Um, and actually, I think this court suits her better than it suits Rybakina. I think it will suit the player with maybe that bit more t- topspin on the ball. Um, Rybakina's got the really flat hits. Um, so that... And look, we said she'd win at the start of the tournament, so not going to change now. I feel the same. No Matt, notes. Matt's like, do you have to keep bringing, this, <laughs> bringing all of this up? Well, I've got uh, their history in my head, which says Sabalenka. She, she has dominated that, that head-to-head. OK, the Australian Open final was on a knife edge, could have gone either way, but Sabalenka won it. What I've seen this tournament, I think Rebekka has played better. I thought she was stunning against Fiontech 
So that's, that's one all. If I'm going to use a tiebreaker, I know that Reggie predicted Rabatkina, so I'm going Sabalenka. Oh. <laughs> what a burn. <laughs> but Reggie claims... Reggie claims, claims that what inspired him to think he was, and I quote, ready for tennis podcast predictions, was that he predicted Rabatkina to win Wimbledon last mm. year pre-tournament. We don't have any evidence. So that would suggest <laughs> that Reggie, where Rabatkina is concerned, yeah, does know something we final. don't. I do remember that, yeah. Mm. His hopeful little face. I love Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, honestly, two finals that it's very, very difficult to predict. And that's where we want to be, isn't it, going into a finals day? I love that both finals are on the, on the same day. Um, I generally, there have been a couple of exceptions, but I generally like the way they do the scheduling here. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I, it stood out to me because it feels different to the rest of the tour, the way mm. they've done the schedule here. And, and the, their night sessions in particular, the day into night sessions is properly clever. You know, yeah, the, they need, the, the organisation here need to be sort of offering themselves out as a consultancy for how to turn a day session around into a night session. There is a gold standard now. Make it so. They've nailed it. Make it so everywhere. Um, I have, we've got some other bits and bobs of news to bring you. Before we do that, would you like Catherine reads out a disclaimer section of the show? Been waiting for it. <laughs> That's all I'm here for. Uh, because, as we've been telling you the last couple of days, we have a Roland Garros ticket promotion from Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours. And that is... That tennis podcast listeners, that's all tennis podcast listeners, can get 15% off tickets and hospitality packages from Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours to this year's French Open. Just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast. That's tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast. Click the banner for the Roland Garros promotion and enter the special discount code for tennis podcast listeners, which is 15love. One five L O V E. All caps. Here goes, folks. Fifteen love coupon code is only valid on purchases for eligible. Eligible. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Give it another go, Catherine. I'm Let's like Shontek losing to Cornet at Wimbledon. <laughs> Let's pretend that didn't happen. I'm going to start from the beginning. Three. Fifteen. Two, oh no. <laughs> Come on, one take, Whitaker. Fifteen love coupon code. Can we? Can we edit? I can do what you like. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now you're going to leave in me saying, "Can we edit?" Aren't you? Absolute stitch up, stitch myself up. Fifteen love coupon code is only valid on purchases for eligible 2023 Roland Garros ticket packages on www.toursfortennis.com, made between 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, March the 16th, 2023, through to 11:59 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, the April the 9th, 2023. 15 love code is limited to one use per customer not valid on previous purchases and not usable with any other offer or discount your total savings will be revealed when you head to toursfortennis.com add an eligible package to your cart and enter 15 love at the checkout not valid on hotel packages or other events offered by steve fogel's international tennis tours or any of its subsidiaries for questions please email info at toursfortennis.com well done. <coughs> and now comes the coughing fit. <laughs> but talk amongst yourselves. It was worth the wait, I would say. Barbora Kwechika and Katerina Siniakova won their maiden Indian Wells doubles title earlier on today. They beat their maiden one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they've won but everything. Probably the biggest omission from their trophy cabinet. Wow. Actually, because they've done the career slam, they've won Olympic gold, they've won the WTA finals. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say it's the they've won Fed Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, haven't they? Have they won it since it was Billie Jean King Cup? Anyway. No. No, but they've won Fed Cup. Yeah. Uh, Billie Jean King Cup correspondent over here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I knew I could put Matt on the mm. spot about that. Knows he wouldn't all hate me it. for it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was probably the biggest trophy missing from their cabinet, and it's not anymore and they really had to sort of win it in spite of themselves today and I know this is very undoubles of me because you're supposed to have a non no blames policy in doubles but Craig Chikova had to do a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> today <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they were playing Laura Siegmund and Beatrice Haddad-Meyer, the righty-lefty combination. Um, obviously very, very good singles players in their own right, and they've had an extraordinary run to the final as a scratch pairing. But Craig Chikova and Sydney Arkova, they're just... They are the best doubles team in the world, aren't they? And they By were, some way. They were a class apart and very much in control, setting a break. They're, they're cruising to victory. And then Katarina Siniakova sort of falls apart a bit. And um, they, end up in a, they end up in a match tie-break. They end up losing that second set, end up in a match tie-break. And, you know, as I've said, they do end up going on to win it. But in the words of Barbora Krejcikova... <laughs> in the um, speech she gave in the trophy presentation, that was very stressful. <laughs> can, can I just... And that was didn't without, she say, playing with you is very stressful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, there was kind of no hiding it, really, and it was a real glimpse into how special their relationship is, that she can say that and they can own that, and it's yeah. all fine. Can, can I just say that Matt gave me a look when you said that... Uh, Barbara Krachikov was doing a lot of the heavy lifting there that, that made me think he he's thinking about our golf this morning when we were partnering one another and uh, Matt ended up having to do a lot of the heavy lifting in that. Well, we yeah. found ourselves in a sort of Ryder Cup match. <laughs> yeah, Matt and David thought they'd put a leisurely nine holes this morning that they could pootle around the course in, before anybody in, else was awake. In fact, David said the very words as we were in the uh, buggy on the way to the first tee... This should be our most relaxing golf experience so far. Enter Bruce and Bob. <laughs> they got they got paired with some rivals. Yeah, yeah, and got absolutely taken to the it, cleaners. It was, a, it was a completely humbling experience. Tell us about Bruce and Bob, Matt. Well, uh, Bruce is seventy-eight <laughs> and has had two back operations quite recently, and has played <laughs> golf. A handful of times since last summer. <laughs> Four times. And he was astonishingly good. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was under par after six holes. Yeah. Just making Hustler. us look and feel like fools. Yeah. Bob. I didn't warm to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he started kicking his ball down the fairway. Yeah, and he was moving his ball to give himself... Cheating, Matt. He, he was, was cheating. cheating. Yeah, I called him out on it. Not to his face, <laughs> no, but to just, our Instagram. Just, just on Instagram. We, we just, yeah. we took David the... said at one point, I hope, he Gosh, I hope they don't have Instagram and check out the tennis forecast feed. <laughs> Combined age of I felt very safe putting that on Instagram. <laughs> so, But honestly, it was, it was fun, but... We got, we got quite competitive, didn't we, David? We, we felt like we needed to beat them, even though it wasn't a competitive scenario And I think at that all. that made us worse. Yeah. It and actually made you, me worse. Actually, you started well, David, yeah. and then... And then I said, we, we have to beat these guys. Mm. And then I went to, and then, to pieces. And then you unravelled. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, you know, that, that, it really is me all over. The, um, the full unfolding of the Bruce and Bob episode of Matt and David's golfing careers is available on our Instagram and it's interspersed with footage of me being made to film uh, our opening link this morning whilst on a moving golf buggy mm. so good times over on our Insta matching vibes matching vibes I do feel I feel very at home on a golf buggy you love a golf that's buggy that's one thing that mm. I'm reminded of every time <laughs> I visit Indian Wells it's I don't know. It's something about putting my my foot down on the it, it top speed twenty miles per hour, but mm. foot to the floor. You put yeah. your foot literally all the way down. Don't yeah, you? yeah. Uh, maybe it's that. Mm, you get the wind in your hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we we'll be picking up our Ford Mustang convertible mm, on Monday, Matt. That's true. Mm. Oh my word. Anyway, <laughs> we were we have been trying to make people not hate us for the yeah, past two weeks, haven't we? And I've, terrible I'm potentially job. falling at the final hurdle there. The men's doubles final between top seeds Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skubsky and surprise pairing, although very much informed pairing, Raham Bapana and Matt Ebden, who won the Doha title a few weeks ago, that is ongoing. So we'll bring you the result of that in tomorrow's pod. I can tell you it's Bapana and Ebden that lead by a set. So... Mm. There we go. Soon to be out of date tennis news. We'll um, we'll wrap that up for you tomorrow when we wrap up our two singles finals. Any other business, folks? 
No, I, I think the only the only other thing I wanted to say is today was our final day of uh, being able to meet listeners here on well, site. In an, in an official Steve in a, Vogel's yeah, capacity. Exactly. I mean, obviously... You can still... If you door, see us around, you know, you, you can... Doorstep David. Sh- yeah, shout out. Turn it back on him. Whatever. Um, but it's been so lovely to see people from, from all over the place and uh, different countries all around the world, so many different ages. You know, there's, uh, I, I love that about about the people who listen to the show, frankly, that there's, there's so many different types of people um, who seem into it. And, and I, I just wanted to say a big thank you to Ben, who has taken... <laughs> So many photos. He's from yeah. on location. It's his last day here today. His, his and phone is just filled with photos of us. <laughs> yeah. he he's going to go home and his wife's going to go, yeah, could you, could you do sort of photo clean-up on your phone? Bulk delete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's he, was, lovely. he was so patient. He's so really kind. looked after us and he's looked after the people that have um, come to see us as well because... I mean, that, he's got a steady hand for that camera work. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you to Steve Fergals. Thank you to One Location that have brought us here and looked after us and made it possible for us to meet so many of you. They are also still offering the incredible competition prize to uh, tennis podcast friends that are resident in the US or the UK. As we always say, we are desperately trying to open these competitions up to our listeners elsewhere but legally we're not allowed to at the moment but if you're resident in the US or the UK you can enter to win a prize package to come here to Indian Wells 2024 which is something I highly recommend Uh, a three night stay in a four star hotel tickets to all of the semi-finals and finals um, transportation to and from the venue hospitality all the fun stuff and to do that you need to be a newsletter subscriber why aren't you if you aren't already but anyway his extra incentive can't believe it's required but anyway subscribe to the newsletter Threats. that's in our show the link to do that is in our show notes and from there you need to go to tours forward slash podcast forward slash ttp tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast forward slash ttp tango tango Papa, I hear myself saying that in my dreams. <laughs> what a treat. Which leaves me only with news of our mascot for today, Luna. Luna is an absolute beauty. She is a cat. She's owned by Justin. Justin says, my wife adopted her in 2015, one week after we started dating. Big days for Justin's wife. What a, what a time in her life. Uh, at the time the shelter rescued her, she weighed only 1.5 pounds. To, to give context, that's about a quarter of a Billie Jean. Um, so tiny we could hardly, hardly feel her when she jumped on us. She was also born with a neurological condition that makes her a little wobbly and uncoordinated. Oh, that's adorable. Instead of the grace and agility you normally associate with cats, Luna is clumsy, can't jump very high and runs through our apartment like a horse. Which, <laughs> which is hard to reconcile because she looks the most elegant, poised thing, doesn't she, in this picture? She's got that deep white ruff which is very reminiscent of Magic, the cat I used to live with that hated me. Um, But Luna looks rather more friendly, quite frankly. She's got these incredible green eyes um, and she's gorgeous. So thank you to Justin. Thank you to Justin's wife uh, for adopting Luna and thank you to Luna for being our mascot. And Justin, I believe, we met at uh, the booth this week. Oh, how perfect. Good on you, Justin. Justin didn't thrust a picture of Luna in my in my face, which is one of my favourite things <laughs> about the past two weeks. Maybe he was saving Luna, saving the surprise of Luna for this moment, which has also been lovely. Uh, we have our mascots. David has Maisie. Right, Maisie, we're I've on for a big weekend. Zenia. Big Matt has got Darwin. It's Maisie a big and weekend. Yeah, Catherine and me, knowing looks here. We could clean up tomorrow, Catherine. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We have Celia Rafalco, who is from Richmond, Virginia. They're all from Virginia. Mm. (laughs) Richmond, the home of Arthur Ashe. Yes. Seriously, though, there is a skew towards Virginia. Yeah, of that was our me saying. Listeners. You just said people we- from all over the world, <laughs> but mostly Virginia. 
Um, and of course, Matt is from Richmond. Well, not from, but lives in Richmond. Is it weird to give give away your? No, everyone knows I live in Putney. It's a big place. It's a big place. Yeah. Um, I, I, not that anyone's going to stalk us, <laughs> listeners. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm thinking. Anyway. Um, I had a childhood au pair called Cece- called Celia, and she was wonderful. And we're still in oh. touch with her. Um, she's from France, and um, yeah, I have very uh, fond and happy associations with that name. Lovely. I don't have any trivia anecdotes or tennis players with the name Celia in my mind, so I'm delighted you've come up with that one. Thank you, Celia. <laughs> Cheers, Celia. We've also got Jim Session. From right, Jim. Merimbula in Australia. Wow, I'm sure. saying that correctly. Australia. Jim <laughs> is from Australia. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> Jim. Hello, Jim. Um, like Jimmy Connors. Do we have a Jim? Courier. Courier. Who oh, I saw my. today. Did, did you? you? Believe it or not. Yeah, I did. Um, to, to chat to? Briefly, outside the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was just going in and out of the uh, Tennis Channel commentary box where he's been doing sterling work all week. Step by David. He, he kind, no, <laughs> I didn't have a microphone in hand. We had our hour with Socially him. Socially stepped by David. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he seemed okay with it. <laughs> uh, it's been good watching the Tennis Channel coverage, though, hasn't it? With, uh, yeah, with him on it. Yeah, it has. It's been great. Enjoyed I mean, it. Yeah, more, as much Jim Courier's punditry in our lives as we can get. Mm. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, cheers, And Jim. finally, we've got Ishmael Betancourt from oh. Western Florida. All right, Ishmael. All right, Ishmael. I feel like there's a tennis Betancourt, isn't there? Paolo Badosa's boyfriend. That's it. <laughs> Is that of. right? Juan. Juan. Juan Betancourt. Yeah, with the arms. With the... <laughs> That's who I'm thinking. With the guns. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We first Our minds be- went to the same place. We, we first became familiar with him here, didn't we? Twenty twenty October twenty twenty one. Weird Indian Wells. A lot of his arms. Mm. You, you <laughs> couldn't move for them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, thank you, Ishmael. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ishmael. Who who uh, quite often emails us, Matt. Oh. I seem to recall. Yes, and, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure has had a shout out before as well. Oh. That's lovely. That's lovely. Great. Cracking memory, Matt. Right, we've got dinner reservations. Who do we think we are? (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Off we go. Thank you for listening. Uh, We will be back with one last daily Indian Wells 2023 tennis podcast for you tomorrow. We hope you've enjoyed them. We've enjoyed making them. We'll speak to you then. 